How's everybody today? Good. Well, I think about five of you are great. That's awesome. No, really, how's everybody today? Yeah, fantastic. That's good. It's great to have you with us. We want to welcome you to Portico. So glad that you're joining us, whether you're here in this main room or in one of our venues or uh, one of our campuses or watching online today. We are just so pleased that you're here. We are one church, one message, many expressions. And what that means is that we have a couple different venues here in the building where the message is, is broadcast live, but there are some different worship experiences. And, and also then we have our, our regional campus in Milton and our Espanol campus that, that meets here. But we all hear the same message and we are one church together, and it's just amazing to be able to be a part of that. And I, uh, I know that you feel that way too. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles out this morning. We want to just jump right in. And if you don't have a Bible, our ushers are ready to, to help you with that. Just lift your hand up nice and high, and uh, they will bring you one. Leave your hand up until they come and respond. And thank you, ushers, for serving us in that way. I also want you to take your sermon notes out right now. And uh, some of you use the paper copy. Others are using digital. I have some news for you today. How many of you noticed this week that an upgrade dropped for the Portico app? Did anybody notice that? Some of you have been really frustrated with our app for the last month or a little longer. Uh, but our brand new app is up and running today. And so if you are a, a, an Apple user... If you use uh, iPhone, iPad, then you got an update for that this week, and you need to do that update. And you can actually follow along on our sermon notes right inside the app now. There's a a section called This Week's uh, Message, and you can find that there. If you're an Android user, uh, I do apologize, but you have to actually delete the old app and then uh, reinstall the new one. So you can search under Portico Community Church, and you'll find our new app there and can follow along inside of that. We're excited about that, and we'll officially sort of announce and launch all of that next week, but uh, wanted to let you know that uh, that is available. I have a question for you this morning. Uh, just before we, we go to our text, the question is simple. It's a general question. I don't want you to overthink it, but, but I want to ask you, have you ever... Uh, wanted more. Have you ever wanted more? Yeah, I think we all have, you know. Uh, More dinner, right? Or more dessert. How many of you are with me on dessert? As you can see, I've given in to that want a few times. Uh, more, more money, more friends, you know, more education, more guys. If you're, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, like Tim the Tool Man, you want more power tools, uh, more horsepower, whatever it is, we sometimes want more. And I was, you know, thinking about that this week, and, and I wondered if, uh, if a lot of you remembered this. Anybody remember that? That's The Little Mermaid. Uh, the movie came out in 1989 and very quickly became one of those Disney cult classics. It was, by the time our daughter was born in 1995, uh, it was already just so, so famous. She loved to watch it. Actually, our son loved to watch it too, but don't tell him I told you that, okay? Um, but, but she knew, Alana knew every single word to every single song, and she would sing it at the top of her lungs. As a matter of fact, still today, on her, on her iPhone, she has some of the Little Mermaid songs in her playlist. I'm not kidding. She's 20 years old. And it's a fantasy about a mermaid who wonders what it's like to be human. 
She finds and collects all kinds of things that she, she comes across on the ocean floor or in sunken ships, and she has this, this cove, this underwater cavern where she keeps everything on shelves. And she doesn't really know what a lot of it is, but, but she's just got this sense, this, this, this longing, this desire inside of her to know more about this world. And, and you know, she has all of this stuff, but it's, it's like it's not enough. As a matter of fact, if I... If I think back, I think I remember her kind of right at this point in, in the movie, sort of breaking into song. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl? The girl who has everything. Look at this trove. Treasures untold. How many wonders can one cavern hold? Looking around here, you'd think, sure, she's got everything. Just wait. I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. Who's it's and what's it's galore. You want thingamabobs? I've got 20. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. What was that all about? Really? Well, it's this idea that I want to talk to you about today when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. The idea of more. We need more power. We've been learning together about the Holy Spirit. We talked last week about the Holy Spirit in us, and Pastor Doug shared about how the Holy Spirit interacted with the world in, in the Old Testament, and then in the Gospels, and then after the resurrection. And, and in Ezekiel 36, 26, the prophet prophesied and said, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so we understand then that when Jesus breathed on the disciples, when he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, that in that moment, the Spirit came and and was within them. And so we know, we believe that because we are followers of Christ, that we have the Spirit in us. But there's more. There's more. We know we have the Spirit in us. But we want, to, we want to think about this in terms of, do we, do we have all that God has for us? Do we have all that God has for us? You know, sometimes we think because, because we're believers, because we have faith in Christ, and because the Holy Spirit is in us, then that's all we need, that we're good, right? We've, we've got everything we need. But I want to talk to you this morning about more. So look in your Bibles, Luke chapter 3. We're going to go to the prophetic words of, of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. And here it says that the people were waiting expectantly. They're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be be the Messiah. And John answers them all and he says, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming who is more powerful than I and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so John the baptizer, the forerunner of Jesus. He comes on the scene in the Gospels as a, as a prophetic voice, a voice crying in the wilderness, the Bible says. And so 
we remember that when John arrives, there has been no voice. There has been no prophecy for now 400 years since the captivity of Israel. And so John comes, and the first prophetic words that we hear from John are these. Everyone's wondering about whether or not John's the Messiah. And he says, no, no, I baptize you with water. But the Messiah, the one who's coming, I would not even dare tie his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fast forward to Acts chapter 2. And we read about the flames of fire that come and rest over the heads of everyone who is baptized in the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And you get the picture that what John prophesied in this moment now has indeed come to pass. And so we want to talk a little bit about that today. You know, but, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus had already breathed on the disciples. He had already said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit was in them. So what was this Acts thing all about. Now, just want you to remember that before you roll your eyes and picture people swinging from chandeliers and rolling down the aisles, we're, we're talking about, we're not talking about church divisions and denominations and all of that kind of stuff here. That was never what the church was supposed to be about. That's a man-made thing. It's Christ's church and he's in charge. And so we agreed together. I don't know if you were with us earlier in the series, but we all agreed. Remember, we we all agreed. Do you remember this? We agreed, and we said we're going to set aside our prejudices. We're going to set aside our own traditions, our own personal assertions, in order to really look at what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit and the experiences that Scripture talks about instead of just interpreting from our own experiences, our own preconceived notions or ideas. So we need to commit to that. We have to set those things aside because if we aren't careful, here's what can happen. Sometimes we can think that our way is better and someone else's way is substandard. We can think that way. And I want to illustrate it for you this way. When I was writing this, I was actually sitting at a Starbucks, as I quite often am when preparing a message like this. And and as a Starbucks customer, I have a I have a certain view of another very popular coffee chain, uh, but, but just because I like a superior product better than the one that is offered at Tim Hortons, sorry about that, I, that should never mean that I, that I would look down on other fellow coffee drinkers. People are people, and we like what we like, and whether you drink Tim Hortons or I drink Starbucks, whether you, you enjoy you know that swill that they serve over there or, or, or the superior product that, that Starbucks has? Whether or not all of that is true, I'm not better somehow because I enjoy what I believe is a better product. I'm just someone who isn't satisfied with, with average coffee and wanted more. <laughs> well, I'm not sure the illustration works all the way, but, but over the years... Some Pentecostal charismatic traditions have tended this way toward being somehow elitist and exclusive with an attitude that they are better than other Christians because they have this, this you know, Pentecostal tongues experience because they have the power of the Holy Spirit and they think that somehow makes them a better person than someone else. But it's just not true. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you a different person. You're still the same person. 
Holy Spirit doesn't make you a better person. You're still prone to all the stuff that you were prone to before, but what the Holy Spirit does do is the Holy Spirit comes in power upon you, and now you have more power, more passion to witness, more boldness, more power of the Spirit at your disposal. That's what I believe about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We now have the more that Jesus was referring to and that John was referring to in the Gospels. And you know, our reaction can, can sometimes be, well, you know, I already have the Holy Spirit. He's in me. And that's true. He's in you if you are a follower of Jesus. And we think sometimes that's enough. That's all I need. But what we are suggesting that the Scripture teaches to us today is that there's more. Is that there's more. Not meant to divide not meant to make us argue or, or any of that kind of stuff. The book of Acts, the early church, was not about that, but it was about a full experience in Holy Spirit baptism for ministry. And not only is the Holy Spirit breathed in us when we commit to follow Christ, but I believe there's more. When Jesus said he would give us the Holy Spirit, he wasn't talking about a one-time experience. He, he was creating a hunger and a thirst for a something more experience. But if we get content with the Spirit that is within us, and we never go beyond to discover the power of the Holy Spirit upon us, then I believe we miss out something that God intended for all of us. When it comes to the Holy Spirit and how He begins to impact and to interact in the world in a new way in the New Testament, after Acts chapter 2, there is, there is a kind of ripple effect that the coming of the Holy Spirit has in the story of the Gospels in the early church. And if you're, if you're filling in the blanks today in your notes, we can see this ripple effect first in the disciples. We can see it first in their lives. Jesus calls the disciples to follow Him. And in doing so, in the process of their following and spending time with Jesus, they can't help but see the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work through him. Remember, we talked about this last week, that in the Gospels, the Spirit's power was demonstrated through the life and the ministry of Jesus. The Spirit was at work in Jesus' life. And so the, the disciples see this firsthand. They see him heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons. They hear him teach about the kingdom of God. And then Jesus does something kind of cool. He, he gives them a, a little glimpse. And he sends them out to do some of those same things in ministry. And they come back. They can't believe what was happening. They said, Jesus, we, we prayed for people and they were healed. And, and, and we, we drove out demons in your name. And Jesus said, that's good. It's the power of the Spirit at work in you. And there's, there's this momentary experience that they have where they, they know and they feel and they understand how the power of the Holy Spirit can be released in their lives. Jesus said to them in Luke 10, 24, he said, you know, you, you, you just experienced something that many of the, of the prophets and kings wanted to see, but they never got to see it. And to hear what, what you hear, but they never got to hear it. And so there's these momentary experiences where the Holy Spirit worked through the lives of the disciples in even greater ways. And then Jesus tells them in John 14, he says about the things that he's doing, he says to the disciples, you know what, you're going to do even greater things. Like mind-blowing. You're going to do greater things than me. And it's no accident that it's also in John 14 that Jesus tells them, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so even at this point, he is setting them up for more. And then after the crucifixion and the resurrection, just before Jesus goes back up into heaven to return to the Father, he calls the disciples to, to him and he says, 
Wait. Acts 1, 4, and 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift that my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, key phrase, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says to them, wait, there's more. There's more. You ever have somebody telling you a story and it's, you, it's really good and you're excited and they go, no, 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 wait, there's more. That's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. There's more. Now remember, he has already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in them. But now, now he says, wait for the gift my, my father promised. In a few days, you're going to receive it. So we know it's not the same thing. Did you catch that? It's happening in a few days. It hasn't happened yet. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1, chapter 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Every indication from the words of Jesus point us to the fact that what is about to happen is not the same as what has already happened. He's talking about something more. So the disciples go, and they wait together with over 100 other followers of Jesus, praying, asking for the gift that Jesus had talked about and instructed them to wait for. And the Holy Spirit was in them, but something more was going to happen. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we read it. When the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was it. This was the more that Jesus had been talking about. It was happening for the disciples and for these other followers of Jesus who were faithfully waiting there in the upper room and praying for the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had instructed them to wait for. The tongues of fire that rested on them immediately resonated. They would remember the words of John the Baptist. The one who's coming, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? And with fire. So it's not insignificant that tongues of flame came and and rested over them. And this was something different than the Holy Spirit within them. This was the power of the Holy Spirit and fire coming upon them. And it was life-changing. It was transformational. And this is where it began with the disciples. But guess what? It didn't stop there. It began to ripple through the disciples into the lives of other groups of believers in God's kingdom, other followers of Jesus as well. They rippled into what would eventually become the church, the church, the community of faith. We find, you know, later on in the book of Acts, Paul comes to Ephesus and he meets with a group of believers there, a group of Jewish believers, because we know that when Paul went into a community, he always went to the synagogue. And while he's, while he's there talking to them, he says in Acts 19, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul said, well, what baptism did you receive? They said, John's. Paul said, well, that's good, but that was a baptism of of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, and that's Jesus. So on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They come to faith in Christ in that moment, 
And it says when Paul placed his hands on them, something else happened. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied the very same sign that the disciples received back in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And so the Spirit is beginning to ripple. The power of the Spirit is beginning to impact the church, other groups of believers. This group hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And yet in the moment that, th- that they express faith in Jesus Christ, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, they are also filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They have the Spirit in them and come upon them in the very same moment. You know that that can happen, right? We've seen it happen where people are are saved and filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit all in the same all in the same little short period of time. This is what happened in Ephesus. It's also important for us to note that when Peter was talking to the other apostles about about his encounter with with Cornelius and the Gentiles. Remember this is kind of the the hinge story where the gen, the Gentiles get get welcomed into faith. And when Peter's talking to them after that that encounter and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in a minute. He says, this is the thing that convinced him that God was allowing them to be a part of his story and a part of, the, of this new church. Acts eleven sixteen and 17, he says to them, then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think? that I could stand in God's way. You see, what had happened was, when Peter was there, they prayed together, he shared the gospel message with them, and they all were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues. And the same experience happened. And Peter says, if that's the case, then God must be, God must be including these Gentiles in his story. So it didn't stop at the disciples and the church, this ripple effect, this, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit actually then began to impact the community, the greater community, the world. This Holy Spirit outpouring didn't just affect those people, disciples, church, but it also had this far-reaching impact. And it's very important for us to understand because it helps us to know that this gift of the Holy Spirit is not just something for us. Pastor Duane referenced this a few minutes ago. It's not just an experience for you. It's not just something that makes you feel good. It's not just something to make you less fearful or more confident or more spiritual. No, the gift was given for a reason, for a purpose. It can do all those other things. The Holy Spirit, He comes, and when He comes in power on us, He can do all those things in us. But He's doing it for one reason and one reason only. And He says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and you're going to what? You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to take the story, the gospel story, the good news of the message of Christ and forgiveness and salvation. You're going to take it to the world under this power of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to give you. And so he gave them the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit for a reason. And I want us to look at three quick snapshots from Peter's life to help us understand this this impact that the Holy Spirit was having on the greater community. First, think about Peter speaking from the balcony on the day of Pentecost. Is that the Peter you remember? Peter Peter was not a public speaker. If we think about him, he was the one who just a few days ago had adamantly denied even knowing Jesus Christ. 
He was the impulsive one who was always blurting things out at the wrong time. And then, and then once in a while, he'd have this amazing thing to say, like, you know, Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then in the next breath almost, uh, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, hey, you know, we should just stay here all, all the time. We should just build three little tents and never go away. And Jesus is like, really, Peter? Really? Peter was not exactly a public speaker before. And yet on this day, he leaves the upper room where they were in and he steps out on the balcony and begins to boldly preach one of the most powerful messages on record. It is articulate. It is well thought out. He quotes the prophets three different times. And then he finishes with an altar call where 3,000 people come and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They repent of their sin and they believe in Jesus. Something happened to Peter, I think. Something happened that made him a force to bring the gospel to the community. This baptism in the Holy Spirit truly did empower him to be Jesus' witness in that moment. In the second snapshot from Peter's story, not long after this, Peter and John, they're walking on their way to the temple. And when they come to a lame beggar who was asking them for money at the gate beautiful, they... they, Something happens. No doubt they have seen this beggar there before. We know from the story that, that later when he's walking and jumping and running around, everybody said, oh, that's, I think that's the beggar from, from the beautiful gate. Apparently he sat there all the time. Peter and John had seen him before. They had gone past him many times before going in and out of the temple. And on this day, something happened. Instead of, instead of you know, walking past or instead of just dropping coins in his cup, for some reason on this day, Peter and John, who had just recently been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they looked straight into the lame man's eyes and they said, you know what, we don't have any money. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the lame man was healed in that moment And the Bible says he went in with them to the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. Now, I want you to understand something. Healing is wonderful. It's amazing. But the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you is not just so that you can go around praying for people to be healed. God does the healing so that the gospel gets preached. God does the healing so that people understand what the good story of of Jesus is all about. And if you look at this story, the whole community was amazed. And Peter, again, had an opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus to them. And another 2,000 people believed in Jesus on that day. The community was being turned upside down by Peter and his friends after they were baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. There was so much uproar that Peter and John got hauled in before the religious leaders. And when they, when they questioned them, uh, Peter and John's answers were so impressive that the Bible records for us the reactions of the religious leaders in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were just unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter outside the church, people outside the church, people in the greater community in the world now were were definitely feeling the impact of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' followers. And the last snapshot from Peter's life I want to leave you with is that story that I mentioned earlier of, of Cornelius and Peter and Peter's vision. And here's what happened. Peter one day is, is, uh, is up on the rooftop and he's praying and he begins to see a vision. 
And at the very same time, this is in Acts chapter 10, at the very same time, Cornelius is, is praying and God speaks to Cornelius through a, through a messenger and he says to him, you know, Cornelius, I see that, that you have faith in me. I see the good that you're doing and, and all the things that are happening. And uh, you need to send some men to Joppa and go get Simon Peter. He's down there and have them bring him back. And so Cornelius is in Caesarea. Peter is down in Joppa. They're just, uh, you know, maybe 20 miles apart along the coast of the Mediterranean there. And so these men, while, while Peter is praying on his rooftop, they set out to come. And Peter sees this vision, and the vision is, is a sheet that's lowered down from heaven, and out of this sheet spill all kinds of animals. But they're every animal that the Jewish law says is impure and unclean, stuff that the Jews could never eat. And Peter hears the voice of God say, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, Lord, I could never touch anything that was unclean. And God says to Peter, no, no, no. Don't, don't you call impure what I have made clean. And this happens three times, okay? Three times, over and over. The same voice, the same, same sheet, the same everything. And then the sheet goes away into heaven, and Peter's left there thinking about, what does this all, what does it all mean? And then there's a, a knock that comes to the door, and while the knock is at the door, God says to Peter, there's some men here. I want you to go with them. And so Peter goes down. He invites them in. They stay the night. And the next morning, they set out to go back to Caesarea. And they get back there, and they're talking with Cornelius and his family. And, and Cornelius shares how that God had spoke to him to go and get Simon Peter, to send people to get Simon Peter. And then, and then Peter starts to understand what it was that God was doing through his vision. God was saying, it's not just about you Jews. The Gentiles, they can be part of my story too. And so Peter begins to share with them the gospel, the news of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did and how that, how that they can come to faith. And while he was still speaking there, the Holy Spirit came on all of them who were listening. Get this, everybody in the room, Gentiles and Jews alike, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them and they began to speak in tongues. And the circumcised believers, the Jews who were with Peter, they were amazed because they heard these Gentiles speaking in tongues the very same way that God had poured out the gift on them. And so they all, you know, had a hallelujah time. They praised God together. They baptized them in water. And like I said before, it was this moment. It was this sign of, of God filling the Gentiles with the Holy Spirit where Peter understood that, it, that they were to be included and a part of this new community of faith that God was building. So the Holy Spirit did and does continue to have an incredible impact on the greater community and on the world. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus said it was for, to give believers power boldness in order to be his witnesses in the world. It wasn't just about an experience, and it's not just about an experience today. It has always been about experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit and experiencing all that God has for us so that we can be his witnesses. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples who already had the Holy Spirit in them, it was a fulfillment of the promise of Jesus and the prophecy of John the baptizer. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And it wasn't just for the disciples even. 
It wasn't just for the early church, as some will try to tell you. It wasn't just for that time frame. It was for everyone who wants to experience more. Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39, it says, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. It's everybody there. It's for your children. And for all who are afar off. Guess where that gets to? That gets all the way down here to today, 2015, to you and me. This gift is for you. It's for you. And for any whom the Lord our God will call. So the big question that I want to ask you today is this. Have you experienced all that God has promised? Have you experienced all that God has promised? It's like Jesus has this beautiful Christmas gift of the Holy Spirit who's all wrapped up for you under the tree, but you've never, you've never opened the gift. You, you have the Spirit in you, but the Holy Spirit in His power has, has never come upon you. And year after year, the gift is there, but you are content with all the other gifts that God has given, and He's given us wonderful gifts. But you just don't open that one. And I'm just asking you today, why not? Why not? Why wouldn't you want more if God has promised more? Will you open the gift? Or will you at least be, be open to the gift? We can start there. Will you at least be open to the gift? You don't have to understand everything about it. Just be, be open to the fact that God wants to give you more. And open your mind, open your heart, surrender your will and your doubts and your fears and allow God to do all that he wants to do in your life. Will you be open? Or will you open the gift? Pray with me, Father. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, that lays out this, these truths so, so clearly today. And God, we, I pray today. I thank you that you breathe in us the moment that we stop going our own way and that we begin to follow you in faith. I thank you that when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives, that, Lord, you come and you breathe the Spirit of God in us. God, maybe there's some people in the room today and, Lord, they had the opportunity last week and, and maybe they just, they just didn't feel ready, but today is their day to say yes to, to Jesus, to say yes to you. And so I pray right now, God, by your Holy Spirit, will you draw, will you speak to hearts? And Lord, may, may they be ready in this moment to say yes. And just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I only want to take a second and ask you this, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has, has the Spirit come and, and begun to reside in you? Because that's the first step. And, and if that hasn't happened yet, maybe today you'd like to take that step and just say, yes, you know, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I'd like to receive him as my, as my own personal Lord and Savior. If that's you today, would you just slip your hand up really quickly? No one else is looking around. Yes, thank you. Is there anyone else today? Thank you. You can put them down. Is there anyone else? I'm just going to wait for another moment. Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for these hands that were raised. And Lord, I pray in this moment as 
Just a simple prayer is prayed, a silent prayer that says, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Forgive the wrong things that I've done. Jesus, help me to begin to follow you and your ways. That God, you will just, just overwhelm these individuals with your love today. Let them know how near and how real you are. And Lord, we also thank you for this gift that we've been talking about together for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For what you promised the disciples on the day of Pentecost. We thank you that you don't just breathe the Spirit in us, but that we, if we truly wait and seek, you want to pour your Spirit out upon us. You want to fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit so that it spills out on everyone around us and makes an impact in our community and in our world. You want to give us more. So Lord, make us open. Help our hearts to be filled with expectation for all that you have for us, Lord, even as we think about about coming back and joining together tonight. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. I pray that there will be many today who will open the gift or at least begin to be open to the gift and open their hearts and allow you to do what you want to do in them. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.